American Catholic History is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. Hello, and welcome to American Catholic History. If you like our podcast, be sure to rate us and give us a review wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Noelle Heaster-Crow. And I'm Tom Crow. Today we're talking about Father Stanley Rother, the first U.S.-born martyr and the second person to be beatified on U.S. soil. Father Stanley's story doesn't have big, amazing moments, but rather it's a simple story of faith, love, and devotion to his flock, even if that meant death. Tom, you first learned his story sort of incidentally. Tell us about that. Sure. So I was in seminary at Mount St. Mary's in Emmitsburg, Maryland for three years from 2005 to 2008. While there, I first lived in the first floor of Gallagher Hall, which was a dormitory wing off of the main building, McSweeney. To get to the first floor of Gallagher, you walked through a passageway that connected the two buildings. On the walls of that passageway are a number of pictures of this young-looking priest, smiling in his official portrait, and then other pictures of the same priest in a tropical setting, some wearing a multicolored stole with a gentle smile, and one he's holding a child's hand and looking down at her while other children are playing in the distance, you know, big fields. There was no label or context or story told, but it was clear by the placement that this was a significant priest who had done good work for the Lord and had had a connection to Mount St. Mary's. Eventually, I did find out who he was, Father Stanley Rother, a 1963 grad of the Mount, and I found out that he'd been murdered in Guatemala, where he'd been a missionary. I learned a lot more about him in 2007 when his cause for canonization officially opened, and I was asked to write a short article about him for the seminary newsletter. So you knew a bit about him before most people. Yeah, I suppose I did. And honestly, it was learning his story in such a matter-of-fact way that first opened my eyes to the amazing cloud of witnesses that we have as American Catholics that we just don't know anything about. So let's get into his story, where he came from and how he ended up a martyr in Guatemala. He was originally from the tiny rural farming community of Okarchi, Oklahoma, which incidentally boasts the oldest bar and best fried chicken in all of Oklahoma. Yeah, right. So he was born in 1935, the oldest of four children in a German Catholic farming family there in Okarchi. He grew up farming and learning all that comes with it, learning how to be resourceful, how to fix most anything, and that good things take time and patience and dedication if they are to flourish. He also learned that you don't abandon what is in your care. Right. A very important lesson. He played sports and was an altar boy. During high school, he felt a call to the priesthood and after graduating was sent by the Diocese of Oklahoma City, Tulsa to Assumption Seminary in San Antonio, Texas. But he struggled mightily in Latin. And since this was before the Second Vatican Council, Latin was still a required subject for seminarians. Right. And since he couldn't get it, he was whipped soundly and sent home. Kidding. Kidding. He was actually made to walk over burning coals. Ha ha. Oh, but seriously, after too many failed attempts to master Latin, the authorities at Assumption Seminary sent him home, deciding he wasn't priest material. Sounds like St. John Vianney, who also struggled with Latin and nearly wasn't ordained because of it. But Stanley Rother's bishop had faith in him. Right. So his bishop sent him to Mount St. Mary's in Emmitsburg, Maryland. There are no reports that he suddenly developed a proficiency in Latin, but he did graduate in 1963 and was ordained that May. He spent a few years at assignments in the Oklahoma City area before, in 1968, he requested a rather significant new challenge. The Diocese of Oklahoma City, Tulsa, had a mission in Santiago Atitlan, Guatemala, 
a small community of Tsutuhil people about 50 miles west of Guatemala City. The Tsutuhil were an indigenous people who descended from the Mayans. They lived mostly in poverty, and their native language was a difficult, unwritten tongue. When the mission church in Santiago Atitlan needed a new priest, Father Rother volunteered to go be that missionary priest, and the bishop accepted. So now a priest, who nearly didn't become a priest because he couldn't handle Latin, was heading to Guatemala where they speak Spanish and to a village where they spoke an even more obscure language. Exactly. But he poured himself into it. Whether it was a special grace from God or just his own determination born of a love for the people or some combination of the two, he worked at it and he learned both languages in a few short years. By 1973, he boasted that he was preaching in Sutuhil. Somewhere along the way, he helped to translate the New Testament and many prayers into that language. And eventually, he was even offering Mass. But the sacraments and prayers weren't all that he did with and for the people. Not at all. His farming background came in mighty handy. He helped the people learn new farming techniques that helped improve their crops. And he was out there with them working the fields. He also did radio broadcasts from the mission, sharing prayers and lessons in language and mathematics. He absolutely poured himself out for the people in every way that he could. He became much beloved of the people, and since they had no equivalent of Stanley in their language, he became known as Padre Aplas, which translates to Father Francis, a nod to his middle name. But everything he did to help the impoverished people of Santiago Atitlan ended up signing his death warrant. Right. Guatemala was in the throes of a long civil war beginning in 1960 and going all the way into the 90s. It was part of the larger Cold War and pitted a dictatorial government against left-wing movements. The leftist rebels claimed to be the champions of the peasants and indigenous people, even if, like the Tsutuhil of Father Rother's community, those people had no interest in the workers' paradise they were pushing. Father Rother and the church in Guatemala in general didn't take signs of the political wranglings either. His care was for his people and helping them get to heaven and to have better lives here on earth. But neutrality didn't matter to the government forces. They viewed anyone not with them as against them. Right. Neutrality put the church in the government's crosshairs because the government wouldn't allow any perceived rival to its control of the country. Many priests and religious lost their lives along with many of the faithful. Father Rother opposed the presence of government troops in the area of Santiago Atitlan, wanting the people to live in peace. In letters home, Father Rother wrote about the many men from his own community who were abducted, tortured, and murdered some of whose bodies were left outside his rectory. Some bodies were never found. In one harrowing account, Father Rother wrote about a popular catechist, a 30-year-old father of two, who was coming to the rectory, and just as he arrived, a car with government soldiers sped up. They jumped out, wrestled the man into the car, and drove off. Father Rother only just came out as they were getting him into the car, and he could do nothing about it lest they take him too or kill him on the spot. During the tussle, the handrail of the porch broke where the man had been holding on for dear life, and a fragmentation grenade was dropped in the grass. By 1980, it was clear that the noose was tightening on him himself. His radio station was destroyed, and the man who ran it was murdered. But nonetheless, he wrote in 1980 to parishes back in Oklahoma, the shepherd cannot run at the first sign of danger. Pray for us that we may be a sign of the love of Christ for our people that our presence among them will fortify them to endure these sufferings in preparation for the coming of the kingdom. Father Rother wrote that he did not want to leave, but said that he would do so if ordered. That order came in January of 1981 when his name was found on a death list. He was number eight. He returned to his family home in Okarchi, Oklahoma. He helped on the farm and offered mass in the area, but he knew it wasn't right. He had to return to be with his people, and he had to be there for Easter. 
So he requested permission to return, which his bishop reluctantly granted. You know, a little side note, this reminds me of one of my favorite verses of scripture, John eleven sixteen. Jesus is about to go to Bethany to raise Lazarus from the dead. The last time he was in Bethany, however, the authorities tried to kill him. So 11 of the apostles were trying to dissuade Jesus from going. The apostle Thomas, on the other hand, recognized that Christ was going, whether they liked it or not. And in verse 16, he says to his fellow apostles, let us also go that we may die with him. It's just a simple recognition that to be with Christ is all important, and it may well mean accepting death. Thomas recognized it and accepted it. So did Father Rother. Love of Christ and love for his flock were too great to do otherwise. Anyhow, so back to Father Rother's St. Thomas moment. Right. He arrived back to Santiago at Titlan in April 1981 and went about his work, but he knew he was being watched. Yes. He even changed which room in the rectory he slept in so they couldn't just sneak in through a window and get him in his sleep. But in the early hours of the morning on July 28, 1981, gunmen entered the rectory. They didn't find him in his room, so they compelled the assistant pastor's younger brother, who was staying at the rectory, to show them where Father Rother was sleeping. The boy, fearing for his own life, led the gunman to where Father Rother was. He shouted, Father, they've come for you, and then he fled. The men intended to take Father Rother from the rectory for the usual torture and gruesome death, but they had never wrestled with an Oklahoma farmer before. Father Rother fought with them, yelling, Shoot me here. They could not overcome him to drag him away, so they finally did shoot him, twice, in the head. After they fled, the assistant pastor found Father Rother dead in a pool of his own blood. The assistant pastor woke the Carmelites, who lived in the adjoining convent. They came and knelt by the body to pray. An American sister who was working at the mission came, and as she prayed, she scooped blood into jars for preservation. They all immediately knew the greatness of the man who had left them, and the veneration of Father Rother as a martyr was instant. The small room where he died became a shrine. The Guatemalan Civil War left anywhere from 140,000 to 200,000 dead and missing, many of them Catholic priests and religious. But none had the instant recognition and widespread veneration that Father Rother had. Beginning on the one-year anniversary of his death, July 28, 1982, and continuing annually to this day, a Mass is offered on the spot where he died, with people from all over Guatemala coming to mourn and venerate their martyr. Father Rother's body was flown back to Oklahoma, but, at the request of the people of Santiago at Titlan, his heart was removed for burial there, where it remains to this day, along with the jars of his blood from that night. In 2007, his cause for canonization opened in the Archdiocese of Oklahoma City, and in September of 2017, after Pope Francis officially recognized that Father Rother was a martyr for the faith, Stanley Rother, the big-hearted, simple farm boy from Oklahoma, became the second person beatified on American soil. You've been listening to American Catholic History on the StarQuest Production Network. If you've been enjoying our podcast, please be sure to give us a rating and a review. To learn more about today's topic, to find previous episodes, and to send feedback, please visit sqpn.com history. You can email us at history at sqpn.com or find us on social media at facebook.com slash American Catholic History or follow StarQuest on Twitter at SQPN. I'm Noelle Heaster-Crow. And I'm Tom Crow. Thank you once again for joining us on American Catholic History on StarQuest.